Dear listener and fellow story lover, this week's story reminds us that when difficulties arise, we are resourceful and resilient beings. Solutions will present themselves if we are open to their possibilities and willing to step out and give them a go. I hope you enjoy this week's Stories from Before. The Cheering Up of Miss Deering The Story of a New Profession Written by Eleanor H. Porter Read by Selina Cadell By permission of the Lutterworth Press Music by Stacey Weir Crippled little Muriel poised herself on her crutches in frightened dismay, as from the kitchen sounded the sharp words of their neighbour Miss Wilcombe. But Barbara, it's so absurd for you to think of such a thing, with Muriel on your hands, as if you could earn enough to support you too decently, and when there isn't a thing you can do either. With a stifled sob, Muriel turned and swung rapidly away. Muriel was only ten, but she understood. Father was dead now, and they were to be poor, she and Sister Barbara. The dear old servants were to be sent away, and the loved home was to be sold. There was no money, it seemed. There were only things called debts and mortgages. Unpleasant, undesirable things, evidently. With Muriel on your hands... Over and over the words rang in her ears. Was she, then, a burden on Barbara's hands? Was she to be taken off Barbara's hands? No, no, she could not endure that. Still, she could not endure to be a burden either. But not to be with Barbara, that was unthinkable. Barbara was all there was now. Why, Barbara was sister. Barbara could make the sun shine on a rainy day. She was like the cheering-up woman that they had read about the other night who... From the kitchen came the sound of a hurried step. Then Barbara herself, red-eyed and flush-faced, entered the room. Muriel gave a quick cry. Barbara, I'm not a burden, am I? And they won't take me away from you, will they? And you can do what you wanted to, can't you? Barbara caught her breath sharply. Why, Muriel, of course you aren't a burden, and of course I shan't let them take you away from me, and I shall try to do what I want to do. Barbara's round little chin looked suddenly square and determined. Oh, I'm so glad, sighed the little girl. But it won't be easy, dear, hurried on Barbara. We'll have to give up all this. And old John and Maggie? Yes, in a way. They won't be our servants, but we shall live with them just the same. They've saved up enough money to take a little house, and we're going to live with them there, pay our board, you know, if we have anything to pay it with. I must, some way, earn some money. How? Barbara shook her head, her eyes brimmed with tears. I don't know. Here I am, twenty years old, Muriel. I can paint, sing, play, dance, sew, play golf and tennis. But there isn't a soul in the world who would pay me a penny for doing one of them, dear. 
I don't do them well enough. Miss Whitcomb says I've never done anything but laugh and take everything as one big joke. But that's what we like. Oh, yes, sighed Barbara. Miss Whitcomb's sister said that if I had laughed, I made other people laugh too and throw away their blues. But as Miss Whitcomb reminded us, laughing won't buy bread and butter. Muriel gave a sudden cry. But it can, she exclaimed. You can make them laugh and throw away their blues and then make them pay for it. Money, you know, that will buy bread and butter. Muriel! As if I would, cried Barbara in flushed horror. Why, Muriel Anderson, I'm ashamed of you. But listen, it's all right, it's a business, urged the little cripple, turning hurriedly to the pile of magazines and papers on the table near her. Don't you remember? You read it to me last Sunday, about the cheering up woman. Here it is. And with eager hands, she spread before her sister's eyes the printed page whereupon was this. The cheering up woman, yes, she's real, and she bestows her cheeriness on whoever will pay the price, one shilling an hour. She will read to invalids, talk to them, or sing or play. She will amuse children and old people. She will even darn socks and mend clothes, and she'll fill vases with flowers or rearrange your pictures on the wall. In short, she'll do anything possible to bring a smile to your lips and a new interest to your life. Once she was rich and did this sort of thing for charity. Now she is poor, with an invalid husband to care for. Hence the charge. One shilling an hour for her sunniness. There, crowed Muriel in triumph. You see, you can earn bread and butter just smiling at people. But it seems so dreadful to charge money for smiles, shivered Barbara. I... Her voice choked into silence. Her eyes dropped to the open page before her and lingered there. If I thought I could, if I thought people would understand, she sighed. Of course, it isn't as if I didn't know everyone here. They wouldn't be strangers. But if only there was something else. There isn't, though. Muriel, I believe I will try it. It'll give us a chance at all events to keep together while I'm learning to do something that will support us. I'll do it, dear. And Muriel sighed her content. They were not easy, those days that followed. For Barbara and her crippled sister, they were days full of confusion and heartache. It was not easy to change a carefree, pampered existence for one of anxious planning for the future. But the two girls did it, and did it bravely. For the townspeople, those days were full of surprises, one treading upon another's heels. First, there had been the sudden death of James Anderson. Then had come the astounding information that the supposedly well-to-do man had left nothing for his children. In July came the greatest surprise of all. Neat little printed cards to the effect that Miss Barbara Anderson had adopted a new profession of a cheering-up woman. For one shilling an hour, she would sing to you, play to you, read to you, mend your socks or arrange your rooms. 
Respectfully, she solicited your patronage. The townspeople gasped for breath, stared, and read again the amazing card. Then they began to talk. They said it was lovely, absurd, shameful, splendidly courageous, scandalous, ridiculous, and the most original scheme that ever was thought of. Gradually, however, they came to a better understanding of it all through someone's reading the story of the original cheering up woman in that magazine. They knew then what Barbara was trying to do. Hostile eyes grew softer and censorious tongues more lenient. Then, one day, a stern-eyed, grim-mouthed old woman sat down at her desk and wrote a curt note. Not many hours later, Barbara flew into Muriel's tiny bedroom. I've got it! I've got my first order! she caroled. Oh, Muriel, isn't it splendid? I'm to go tomorrow at ten. How perfectly lovely! Who is it? cried Muriel, clapping her hands. Barbara's face fell. Oh dear, that's the worst of it, Muriel. It's old Miss Deering. As if anybody could cheer her up. You know how solemn she is. I never saw her smile. And if I should fail here, with the first one, no one would ever want me again, choked Barbara as she turned back to the letter. Promptly at the appointed hour the next morning, Barbara rang Miss Deering's doorbell. Barbara's eyes were bright and she held her chin high, but she was far from feeling as brave as she looked to be. A plainly curious, white-capped maid admitted her, and in a cheerless, blind-shaded sitting-room, Miss Deering was found waiting. "'Well, young lady,' began Miss Deering severely, "'so you've come to cheer me up, eh?' At the stern accents and sour visage of the woman before her, Barbara's heart sank, but her lips curved into a resolute smile. "'I've come to try,' she amended brightly. <laughs> well, all right, I'm ready. Miss Deering sat back, folded her arms and waited. Barbara caught her breath with an audible gasp. Her first impulse was to turn and run. The unsmiling face, the steely eyes, the folded arms, the black gown, the sombre room, it was all so hopeless, so impossible as if anyone could cheer up that. But uh, what do you want me to do? She faltered at last. Do? What I'm paying you for, of course. Cheer me up, snapped the woman tersely. Barbara gasped again and almost turned and fled. Almost, but not quite. Something in the woman's words had pricked through her dismay and stirred all the metal and determination that she possessed. She realised suddenly that if ever she was to win, she must win now. Why, of course, she said dauntlessly, throwing a hasty glance about the room. Suppose I play to you. And she crossed the room to the piano. She played a lively mazurka and waited for comment. There was none. Then she tried a stirring march. 
still silence from the stiffly erect figure near the window. Perhaps you... you'd like a song, stammered Barbara, letting her fingers modulate into the prelude of a pretty ballad. After the song, there came a moment of awkward silence, broken finally by Barbara. Perhaps you... you don't care for music, she hazarded. No, I don't, said Miss Deering. Oh, why didn't you tell me? cried Barbara in dismay, jumping from the piano stool and looking a little wildly about her. Suppose I... I read, then, she suggested, turning to the table and picking up a magazine. If anything, the reading fared even worse than had the singing and playing. Sternly indifferent, Miss Deering listened without comment. Perhaps you'd rather talk, Miss Deering, said Barbara at last, still courageously, laying down her magazine. Very well, returned Miss Deering, then talk. Barbara caught her breath again, but she kept a bravely smiling face. Then she talked. She told stories, jokes and the news of the town. But her voice, in spite of its blithe cheeriness, was not quite steady. After five minutes of this, Barbara sprang to her feet. But haven't you something else? She burst out hurriedly but very brightly. Stockings to mend or... Suddenly... Without one bit of warning, she dropped back into her chair, covered her face with her hands, and began to cry. Then did Miss Deering stir into sudden action. Come, come, child, what are you doing? What are you doing? she demanded, half rising from her seat. Barbara laughed, though she was still sobbing. I'm, I'm cheering you up. Don't you see? <laughs> I'm, I'm cheering you up. And this is the way I do it, she cried. There, there. This will never do, demurred the lady, putting out an unaccustomed hand and patting Barbara's arm timidly. Come, come. Tell me all about it. Why are you crying like this? And Barbara told her. Before she quite knew what was happening, the whole story came out, all the pitiful tale of her struggles to keep crippled little Muriel with herself and to earn their support while she was preparing herself for something more permanent and lucrative. But, you see, now of course I can't do it after this, finished Barbara, as she hurried sobbingly from the room. Left alone, Miss Deering pondered for three minutes. Then determinedly she put on her bonnet and sought the home of her nearest neighbour. From this house she went to another, and still others. Then, footsore and weary, but with a strangely alert gleam in her dim old eyes, she climbed the hill to her own door. Well, ma'am, did she do it? Did she cheer you up? asked the eager little maid who admitted her. Me? Cheer me up. Why, no, Alice, I can't say... Miss Deering stopped and frowned. Miss Deering knew in her heart that a curious elation possessed her, that the sky was more blue and the grass more green than they had been for years. But... 
Alice, you may serve dinner at once. It is very late as it is. She finished in quite a different tone of voice. Thus did Miss Deering strive to hide, even from herself, the astounding facts. Yes, ma'am, said Alice aloud. To herself she muttered as she turned away. Maybe she isn't cheered up. Maybe she isn't. But I never saw her with that look on her face before. Which was quite true. Never before had Alice seen her mistress stirred from her morose selfishness into sudden thought and action for a fellow creature in distress. Barbara cried herself to sleep that night. But not a dozen hours later, she danced into Muriel's room with a handful of letters. Muriel! she cried joyously. I've got eight engagements, and all of them for two or three times a week. And what do you think? They all say it was owing to Miss Deering's recommendation. Miss Deering's? Pooh, I knew you could do it, scoffed Muriel in loving triumph. But Muriel, I, I cried there. Cried, faltered Barbara. Well, what have you did? I expect your crying's better than some people's laughing, settled Muriel conclusively. And perhaps it was. The End I hope you enjoyed this encouraging and hopeful story, especially during these current times when so many are faced with sudden changes and trying circumstances. Where there are struggles... There is awakening and growth, if we choose it. I hope you enjoy a lovely week, and I look forward to being with you next week when I again share stories from before.